In this episode of the Crumpled Papers podcast, it's the finale episode of season one, and to celebrate, the tables are being turned as I look back on all the episodes this season and answer some questions about the things I've learned, season one's most memorable aspects, as well as what's to come in the future, followed by a compilation of responses sent in by you guys, sharing your own personal crumpled papers. If you enjoy today's conversation and haven't read the book, the link to pick it up is in the description below. If you're a first-time listener, I would highly recommend you go back and listen to our intro episode, episode zero, to get brought up to speed on what this podcast is all about. But without further ado, enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Crumpled Papers podcast. My name is Robin Knoll, and today I'm joined by a very special guest. My son Austin Noel. Hello, hello. How you doing there, son? <laughs> Thanks for having me on your on your podcast, Mom. You're very welcome. We've switched the uh, roles a little bit here and yeah, and, and freshen things up a little bit. <laughs> you hijacked my podcast. Hijacked it. That's right. Did it feel That's good? Did it feel powerful? Uh, I don't know. It's nice being in your shoes here. <laughs> You're literally kind wearing nice. my shoes. No, that'd be that'd be a little weird. <laughs> hello, how you doing? I am doing great. I, I hear we've got questions that have come in that people want to ask you. And that's a great way to wrap up your first season on your podcast. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so to everyone listening, hi, my name is Austin and welcome to the podcast. This is episode 23. And as you can tell already, it's going to be a lot more casual. This is the finale wrap up episode of season one. Last week was episode 22. We had a great guest talking about the last chapter of my book and now it's all over and this is an episode focused on answering some questions kind of interviewing that's why you had the intro you're taking the reins here of interviewer and i'm the interviewee you're gonna ask me some questions about my thoughts and overall i don't know what i'm left with after this first season and then uh gonna be a wrap-up and then we have some some great recordings sent in by you guys the listeners to listen to but anyway so yes oh i see yeah. here's the question the first question is i hear you have a phenomenal mom Tell oh is that what it is no yeah, you know she was <laughs> spent an hour talking about that but yeah so <laughs> that's all it's going to be is going to be me taking the role here of, of the guest and switching the roles and asking some questions and talking about the, the season so Mom, how do you want to do this? You can take to go however, whichever way you want to do this. Go whichever way you want. I have some of the questions here. Okay. Uh, that people want to know. The Great. people want to know. What do the people want to know? And and some I wrote myself. Which what do I want to know about myself? <laughs> All right, let's see here. All right, here's a good one. Okay. What has been the most surprising thing to you about this first season of your podcast? The most surprising thing to me about this first season of the podcast. I think there were a lot of surprising things. You know, I think this is something I've said before. I've said it multiple times, but it is still surprising to me, I guess, in how prevalent it was. And that is how many people share the same story or similarities in their story. Mm -hmm. That's why I wrote the book. So I, I kind of had an idea of that since the very beginning, right? I wrote it because one, just to, to share my experiences, but I wouldn't have felt the need to do that if I didn't feel like there were a lot of people who could relate and resonate mm -hmm. with it. 
So I was aware of that. I was aware people shared similar situations. And mostly in my head, it was the peers I had grown up with, right? People in my church. And therefore, probably the people in other churches in our organization and people my age. But what really surprised me was, one, how far it reached in terms of other churches in other cities and states and yeah. countries with similar, uncannily similar experiences but also how far it reached in terms of the age demographic. I'd written my book for, or primarily for people my age, because that's just up to this point in my life, that's how old I was, and the experiences I had were my teenage years, so I I wrote it through that perspective. But I, I kind of almost didn't think about the fact that people who are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, were at one point teenagers. So if they were in the church during that time, or in a spiritual community of whatever kind, many have relating experiences they can relate to. And that's a big bunch of my feedback and response has been to people who are older than me by years or decades or, you know, several decades. And it's interesting hearing all of them relate despite, despite where they are in the world, despite how old they are, the conversation, the conversations I have with people who are in their seventies or sixties don't differ much at all from the conversations I'm having with people about the same material that are in their twenties which is very interesting, yeah. which makes my job easier, kind of, because I, I, I can be one wavelength. I don't have to change my approach for different ages. It's all the same conversations. But that was surprising, is the effect and how far-reaching that resonating experience, that uniting force was, if that makes sense. Yeah, that was the most surprising thing for me this season. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think back in, way back, First of all, you never intended to write a book. No. You started writing for your own healing. You didn't know you were going to put a book out. Yeah. And you never intended to do a podcast either. But like yeah. I think back to when your book came out in just October, just last October. So where are we now? We're at the nine, end of July. It's been nine months. Yeah. Yeah. So nine months, your book came out. You had no idea when you put your book out in October that just three months later, in the beginning of January, that this- no. Stone magazine was going to come out with this article about our old church that we used to go to. And oh, that's a whole thing. Big, yeah, the big, uh, these lawsuits going on, all tons of lawsuits against that church that we used to go to, even though you weren't necessarily just doing your book and podcast about that church, but your experience was there. But this, the timing of it all is kind of crazy. Like all of this stuff after your book came out that. You had no idea about, you didn't know this big lawsuit was going to happen. You know, so it's just timing of it all. Yeah. And it's funny because, I mean, I've told people this. When I wrote the book, as I was writing it, I was given, I don't know if it's advice, but like a thing people were saying, certain people were saying like, hey, you know, a great thing if you're having a book come out would be maybe to have some kind of a podcast to, you know, help market it and tie yeah. in and, 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 and expand the conversations and you know, all that kind of stuff. And at the time I was like, cause I, I experimented with, with, you know, YouTube channels and podcasts for other topics like filmmaking and things before. And it was always something I was kind of drawn to, but initially my response was to that was like, no, nah, I don't want to do a podcast. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of, that's a whole different project. It's not just, Oh, I'll right. talk about my book. It's no, no, it's a whole different thing. And so I was like, no, nah, I'm good. And I don't remember when that changed, but it changed pretty fast. So I, I the book came out. And then I was like, oh, so the things that like from page one to 
the last page of my book. I thought that was an all-inclusive and like bookended conversation. I don't know. That's just the stepping off point. And people mm-hmm. are wanting to talk more about yeah. this stuff. So I think the best way to facilitate that would be to do a podcast and dive in deeper. And there we, and there we go. And I had no idea. Yeah. I had no, the timing of this timed up so well. It was almost like it was an inside job. It feel like where, where the book came out and within two months, there was a lot going on in our church organization, our worldwide organization where that we used to be part these conversations. I mean, they were already being had, but they got elevated to a whole new level yeah. of prevalence. And it just so happened with this podcast was gearing up and coming out right within that same month. And the book was already yeah, out for a little while, not very long. And then the podcast was yeah. happening. So it was kind of cool. And I'm sure, I hope I'll be surprised that there are listeners who jumped on finding this podcast through everything going on and kind of finding their way and going, Oh, there's a podcast, a brand new podcast that started in the midst of all this, mm-hmm. but that wasn't intentional at all, but it's very interesting for sure. Yeah. I remember, you know, way back, you know, you sharing about what really mattered to you is you wanted to create a space where people could feel seen and heard and seen and heard in their healing process. Yeah. And, and I think this podcast has really turned out to be that it's how many countries is it in now? 64. Oh gosh. It was 64 two weeks ago, but let's, let's say probably like probably 65 or so. Yeah. Okay. Which is wild. That's a lot of countries. Every state in the United States and over 64 countries, all 50 states and 64, 65 countries. And you're hearing from people from all over the world. Like these people who contact you and me, Yeah, Russia, I mean, all these different countries. Um, and I, and I do, think sometimes about you know initially you were aiming your conversation toward people your age yeah and it's out like you just said these people there's people in their 60s and 70s there's people who are still teenagers there's people calling or texting or messaging with stories and there it's been interesting to see how many people who are pastors yeah uh, youth ministers parents lots of parents um, young people who have been through some traumatic things in church who are trying to heal. Yeah. Um, it's just such a wide variety of people that I don't think you ever could have predicted that. Like no. I even, well, as you know, almost every day since your podcast came out as the parent of this guy doing the podcast, you know, and, and because you had me yeah. on as a guest and there, I mean, the story, sometimes it's just very encouraging to see people finding healing Sometimes it's heartbreaking because part of that healing is having to um, people are, you know, sort of owning their stories and giving, giving voice to their stories. And that's part of helping them in their healing process. And uh, even I, I uh, heard from someone recently, a woman who, you know, after she read the book and listened to the podcast, she held this class sort of workshop at her church recently. Oh, with, wow. uh, I didn't know this. <laughs> I think I told you about it. It was just within the last probably week that I heard about this. And she was telling me that she put together this workshop and it was for the whole preteen and teen ministry, like the 12 to 18 year olds at her hmm. church in, in her, in a, I forget what state she lives in. And in basically this class that she put together for these preteens and teenagers was to teach them about speaking up, hmm. uh, to teach them how to notice the signs of control. Hmm. Um, things that are important to notice and speak up about if you're in a youth ministry that's not healthy or toxic or controlling or abusive or whatever it is, 
Yeah. And so I just thought, holy smokes, that's incredible. So here's this woman who's been listening to your podcast and she's really good with young people and she's a teacher and decided, whoa, I, I can help with this. I can teach some young people how to look for some signs with this so that they don't wind up um, going through some of the trauma that so many young people have um, in these types yeah. of ministries that aren't so healthy. There's plenty of healthy youth ministries out there too, but the problem is there's a lot of not healthy ones. You That's heard, didn't you hear from some of your ex youth pastors who your youth leaders who were listening? Oh, yeah. or uh -huh. No, I've been reached out to by, by a couple of them. That's been, that's been really, really great too. Just, just, from them through a lot of humility, you know, re reaching out and saying, Hey, I listened to these episodes about your experiences and the, you know, certain times where maybe I was a leader there or different things and we had interactions and I wanted to see if there was anything I ever did or was, was I a part of the, you know, the, I don't know the, the problem, but if I ever had an impact on you in a negative way and it was really cool because the ones who reached out to me, I, I told them this too, this too. I said, I, like after hearing from a couple of them, it was a, it was a thing. It was like, okay, if you're reaching out to me, I don't think then the odds are you weren't part of the problem if, if you can put it that way. But it was really, really cool to hear from people that were in those positions during that time, just, yeah. you know, really wanting and caring about there's something I did wrong or is, and even just sharing how much they've learned from this, which is fantastic too, you know, cause that'll be implemented in the future. Mm -hmm. I think one of your, ex-youth ministers even asked about being a guest on your next season. So that'll be yeah, really cool. Yeah, and they will be. Yes, that'll, that'll be coming in the future. That'll be really fun. On season two? Yeah, on season two, which we'll talk about in a little while here. Yeah. One of the things, too, that uh, you may have some comment on is that I know when the book and the podcast first came out, you know, some people who have been involved in a church like that or even our old church, they can assume, oh, this is going to be one of those things where someone just wants to get on there and, and bad mouth, or, or they'll label it quote unquote bitter or yeah. those types of things you know, when people mm -hmm. are actually really just sharing their stories as part of their healing process or trying to help other people. But one of the things that I've heard, I don't even know how many times I, I've heard it over and over about the way that you've been doing your podcast is that you have been able to share the stories, give space for others to share their stories, and somehow you're able to put the truth out there that is really painful and hard sometimes. These stories are real tough sometimes. Um, but somehow you you found this combination of the truth, the real stories, yet you're not hateful. You're mm. not bitter. Um, you have this way of presenting things, and yet you still are able to embrace grace and compassion and you don't make excuses for pe especially some of the more severe abuses that uh people have been through um you know children being very you know sexually abused or whatever it might be in the church you don't make excuses for that and yet like when you talk about your own experiences in youth ministry and in the church with the control and some of the spiritual abuse that happened you're not hateful or bitter yet you're very real about it, about what happened. You don't sugarcoat it. It makes you, I think, very approachable. And I think that is why you keep hearing from people who even they themselves may have contributed to some abuse hmm. in their churches or when they were a leader at a church in the past. So I think that's, 
I don't know that that's that easy to accomplish. So I think it's pretty great that you have. Well, thanks. <laughs> yeah. All right. We have some more questions here. Let's see. Is there anything that was not in your book or on the podcast that you want to share about now that you have sometimes thought, oh, that would have been good to discuss or mention or share about? Well, to share now, I would say actually no, probably not. But I mean, that question does make me think about something which I've, which I've mentioned, if not on the podcast, and to people for sure. You know, because I wrote the book with, with my experiences and the preliminary, I'd say, input and perspective I've gained about certain topics and themes I talk about through my experiences, right? And I knew enough where I felt comfortable writing a book about it because a lot of it's just personal experience. And some, some I, you know, I, I've learned a little bit at that point to kind of get a grasp of some of the things that I was dealing with, right? But since, I mean, since the book came out by itself and the conversations that has kind of initiated and the podcast having to take each chapter and take the main topic or theme and then talk about a full conversation about somebody else's experiences with that, it's made me aware of really how many books, if I had gone in detail about and really like talked fully about everything I might talk about by my book, it could have been a whole, it could have been 10 books because of how many things I, I didn't gloss over because I wrote it the way I wanted to write it, but so many topics that are really big topics that I don't touch on for that long, if that makes sense. So like for spiritual abuse, I have a, a, an eight page chapter about just, what it is kind of and how it fits into it all. But then listening to people's experiences, almost every conversation dipped into spiritual abuse at some point. And there's many facets of that. And, and that's one thing I'm excited about for next season too, is this season I, I was, I don't want to say constrained because I, I was guided by the book, right? Or every episode was the topic of whatever chapter that was. Going forward, I'm really excited because I can talk about how whatever I want, meaning for example, the, the example I used was spiritual abuse. There was an episode which was great about spiritual abuse, yeah. generally. Or now I can do a four-part series on, okay, spiritual abuse. Let's talk about gaslighting. Let's talk about narcissism. Let's talk about all these di- spiritual bypassing, different things. Nice. That's one example of many in my book. You can go nine layers deep. Exactly. So to answer your question, no, nothing I want to share right now. But yes, I mean, there are so many things that this season of the podcast and just all together since my book came out that I've been aware of that I didn't cover my book or I did generally and how it fit into my experience. But the people who have come on, the guests have really been able to elaborate to a much more deeper extent those topics I cover, which has been really cool. That's the reason why I did the podcast. The whole reason I did it was to expand upon those things. So it's been really, really cool. And I'm excited to venture out and go even more so. So Yeah. Uh, let's see. What are you most proud of this season? The conversations. The conversations that three, threefold. The conversations that I've had on the podcast, clearly. Like, I, I'm just so happy with the people I got on. And, like, each one fits so perfectly with whatever topic was at hand. And really opened my eyes and my perspective and people who are listening to just the discussion, right? And their experiences. So the conversations that were facilitated on the podcast and then the conversations that have been evoked in response that I've had with people who have reached out to me or to you or 
either in person or via email or DM, right? Or message, whatever. I've had so many conversations with people, some who I've, yeah. who I've known forever, some who I haven't talked to in years, some who I've never met from all over the world mm-hmm. about these things, right? That's been so, so cool. And then the third tier of that is the conversations that are being evoked between other people based on what they've heard or what they've read, which when you talk about the, the, the lady doing those classes with the teen ministry, like that stuff. And that's more than a conversation, but just I've heard of so many people who have mentioned that they've been with people who are talking about this and these are raising actual topics of conversation that are prevalent. People are actually not just like, Oh, did you hear his podcast? So that was cool. Like that kind of conversation, but meaningful conversation about, what have our experiences been? What can we do to help and change things? What can we do in the future? What can we talk, do for our kids or our ministries or our churches? So that's what I'm really proud of. All that threefold idea of these conversations that we've had all together. So the conversations that I'm proud of the most, for sure. I had a, a conversation today. No, oh, yeah. Like we said, it seems like every day these conversations are coming up. And, but mm-hmm. uh, I had a conversation today with someone who she heads up a children's ministry at her church. Yeah. It's just a couple hours ago. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to come up in the conversation at, at uh, lunch, but mm-hmm. she asked about your podcast because two other women at the table, uh, one of them said, Oh, my husband's been listening to your son's podcast. And mm-hmm. so, wow, that's so great. You know, and she has two uh, teenage kids and then uh, one younger child. And then this other woman said that her husband's listening to it. They're retired. Their kids are growing their grandparents. Completely yeah. different groups completely different background and then the other woman there who she's like what podcast what she didn't know anything about it. So she's asking, <laughs> good get her in pull her in no kidding <laughs> and and so it turns out uh she's very very engaged in mm. this conversation and wanted to continue it um and i believe we will continue it more but she said just hearing about the little bit that she heard today at this table about some of the things you're addressing on your podcast she said it like it was it it was serious for her. It was mm. it, she cares so much about this youth ministry that she oversees. It's not a teen ministry. It's the um, young children up through fifth or sixth grade, I think, that she okay. kind of runs the whole thing. And she was like, "Well, this is really making me wonder if you know, are we doing enough to? Here's what we do." And then she names all these things that she has implemented at her church to safeguard from mm. abuses happening. Um, mental abuses, physical abuses, sexual abuses, emotional abuses, by having this many teachers there at all times, by always leaving the door open, by always no child is allowed to go into the bathroom without the door always staying open to the hallway, not the the bathroom stall, the hallway with an adult uh, guarding it, all these things. But she was saying, this is really making me think, is there anything, is there anything we've missed at our church? Is there Hmm. any way that someone could get by? Uh, You know, so- which sucks has to be like that, but yeah. It does. But it's incredible. Yeah. At the same time, these things do happen because people are people and there are, you know, great people everywhere and there are also child predators everywhere, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. It was, right. It's sadly true. But um, she, it was just so cool to have this conversation and she really valued it. And she said, Can you send me the link to this podcast? And so, so one of the other gals was like, yeah, I'll make a thread and I'll put it on there. But hearing these things, you know, I've heard from people, as you know, parents 
that are in so much pain mm. on, and on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, because your podcast would come out on Tuesday each week. And it was just got to the point starting probably two months ago where I needed to be ready because I knew I was likely going to be hearing from people on Tuesday and Wednesday, especially when the new episode just came out. Mm. And there were numerous heartbreaking conversations with parents, mostly mothers, crying, mm. in tears, trying to walk through pain mm. that they were now feeling, either because they were realizing things and learning things, um, a couple of them where their young people, when they were teenagers, did speak up, did try to make it clear to the parents, something is off in our church, something, here's what I'm feeling there, and here's the shaming that's happening, or here are these emotional abuses that's happening or here, whatever it is. And the parent not fully believing them because mm. of knowing the pastors there and feeling like, well, they're good people. And I've known that pastor for 20 something years or whatever it is. I'm thinking of one call in particular where this mother, such deep pain in her tears because she's really realizing the magnitude of what her kids went through her two kids mm. in a, in a, in a really unhealthy youth ministry and you know she's trying to reconcile with that now like why did I keep them there so long why did I allow them to be there when they did they did tell me and I knew mm. it was not good yeah um so I I get a lot of those kinds of phone calls and messages from people dms I, it's constant so I, I I'm thinking I'm not even the one hosting the podcast and I'm hearing from all these people <laughs> who are just trying to share and walk through their pain. I do tell people about grief recovery. You had, I think it was episode nine. You had uh, Sandy Derby on. She's a grief yep. recovery. And she one used to go to a church that was uh, toxic, abusive, a um, lot of spiritual abuse going on there and other abuses, very serious abuses. Um, she also is very well informed and experienced in the area of spiritual abuse, SRA, a lot of heavy topics. But you had her on as a guest, which was incredible because that gives people a resource. Yeah. Um, it gives people a way to start with their healing because people will be like, I don't know how to forgive from this. I don't know how to move on from this. I don't know what to do with this pain of what I went through in my church or with what my children, my teenagers, my young adult went through in our church, these regrets that these parents have. And I think it's incredible that you've offered resources. And that is one of them. Having Sandy Derby on talking about the grief recovery program and just so much background in spiritual abuse that it's, I just think you've offered some great tools, but yeah, it's really hard to hear those stories. And I'm wondering for you, do you hear stories from for people as well like that, or some of the younger people, or is that more me because I'm a mom who's been through this with my family? Oh, I, I definitely do. And for people of all ages, I think you, you, from our listeners, I think you tend to get more of the, the demographic of moms and parents. And I tend to get more of people my age or even older, but coming from personal, just their experiences as teen or a kid or a young adult or whatever, or just, just an adult adult. But yet I also get parents as well and moms and whatever else, but, and dads and whatever, but, but, but I, you know, I definitely do. And that's, it can be a lot sometimes like, like not, I, I'm like emotionally, I'm pretty good with, I can handle it. I'm, I'm, I just not like 
overwhelming emotionally, but just physically, like time wise to, because these are not converse. I was saying this just yesterday to somebody. These are not conversations that someone can reach out and say, Hey, I, I enjoyed this. Here's my experiences. And I go, awesome. Thanks. Most of the time they're conversations that require an intentional conversation, right? They intentionally, yeah. they, they require a longer response and I desire to, to actually engage in dialogue. So it's not just a quick response. Usually it's more like a being receptive to what they said. And usually they're longer messages or emails or whatever. And then responding intentionally with not just, Oh, thanks. Oh, cool. Like, so, so it's been really cool though. But one thing you yeah. were talking about, or you, when you were talking, you reminded me, there's one more thing that I am proud of this season. And it kind of goes in line with these conversations, but it's a branch of that. And it's, being able to see people's expectations being altered when they talk to me about it. Meaning, I gotta say also, I was expecting, I was expecting a lot more negative feedback on my book and my podcast than I've gotten, at least to my face. People have been very receptive to the ones who have, that I've heard from. Yeah, know, very. That are being outspoken about it. But yet, I, I also know, mostly secondhand, that there are people and there are, you know, talks that are more negative or more like, oh, he's trying to tear down the church or pull people away from our church or whatever else, right? People, the things people say, right? He's bashing, whatever, all this kind of stuff, which I don't believe I am. But no. it's interesting, and I'm very proud of this, of the times, which has happened several times already, where people, and you can tell very quickly in a message someone sends you with an email, whatever, what kind of perspective they're coming to you with whether it's a uh, grateful and wanting to talk and being optimistic about this podcast and my book or coming with more caution or mm. or a preconceived notion of what I'm doing or my angle or agenda or whatever and there have been several cases where people will come to me people my age older than me or whatever that'll message me and it's it's immediately an air of oh caution always oh, they're 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 messaging me trying to feel it out because sure. And it ends up being almost unanimously that they've heard something from somebody negatively or whatever about the podcast and about what I'm doing. And they, I give them props for messaging me because I would assume maybe they heard this, they went, looked me up, they looked through my, my podcast, or my book or something just enough where they go, hmm, I'm kind of intrigued by this. And so they messaged me. And mm. I intentionally, very, you know, very intentionally try to make it right, not be defensive of myself. And sometimes, sometimes it's curiosity from them. Sometimes it's more affronting, like, like I heard you're doing this or whatever, whatever. And I use the opportunity to really ask them questions about it and quickly show, not, you know, like to prove myself is to show, oh, that's not really actually what is happening here. That's not really the direction where, where I'm trying to go with this. Right. And very quickly, the air changes in the way they're approaching me in conversation. And by yes. the end, they're wanting to call on the phone or they're wanting to buy my book or listen to the podcast. And I'm really proud of the handful of times that's already happened where it's it. that altered expectation. Yep. They come in with one thing, having heard something from somebody under the table or heard whispers of something or just themselves or kind of caught off guard or have some defensive mechanisms in place for what I'm talking about. They come to me, we have a real conversation, and they walk away in a much different place. Very so I'm really proud so. about that. Yeah. That even happens. Um, I've seen that happen with people who have a 
preconceived idea of what this type of podcast must be about. Sure. Or must be like, or the tone that must be intertwined in it. Yeah. And then once you listen to it, it's like, oh, wow, this is so different than what I pictured. We're really talking about this thing that matters. Yeah. But again, it's the hate is not in there. And I would um, say hate, it's funny because exactly. And I would say so much so like that, that when someone messages on Facebook or emails or whatever, taking a certain stance, assuming those things, I can know almost for a fact that they haven't listened. Like if I see a message on Facebook or a comment or an email or a text or whatever it is, and the person is taking the stance of, oh, I'm bashing the church or I'm trying to sell books. I've heard that a couple of times. Or, or I'm just bitter or I'm trying to pull people away or telling them to leave their churches or whatever. I know they haven't listened because I know I yep. don't take that stance. Exactly. Because I very thoughtfully and intentionally made sure I come across in these conversations not that way. Yeah. So it's very easy I, to, to tell, oh, you haven't listened. Not no, you haven't listened, but no, oh, I, I would encourage you to just listen to an episode and then come back and talk to me because I think you'll have a different idea after listening to just any, any episode. That that's not the stance we're taking with this. That's not what this podcast is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have another question for you. What's the biggest crumpled paper of your own, your own crumpled paper mm-hmm. that you've come to recognize as a result of the conversations in your podcast this season? Flipping the tables on me, the question I ask everybody. That's right, um, that's right. Okay, I was thinking about this, about what my crumpled paper or what one is that I've learned or come in, you know, to recognizing throughout this season. And I realized that I've kind of been doing it every episode, every week. On my social media, on Facebook and on Instagram, every week I will outline or make a post about one or two ideas or quotes shared usually by the guest during the conversation. And every week, those are the couple papers that stand out to me. I, I, I handpicked them. I chose, oh, that stood out to me. I'm going to post that. So in response to this mm-hmm. question, I thought it'd be kind of cool. This may be a cop-out because it's not just one couple paper, but I would like to go through my Instagram feed here and these posts that I post every week of whatever idea or quote was said of the crumpled paper that that stood out to me. Because these are all, if if someone asked me what are the things I learned, it'd be these handful of ideas. It's these things that are the the ideas that I may have been aware of to an extent, may not have been at all, but it made me see these things in a totally different light, right? So I'm gonna go through and share some of these. Start at the very beginning here. This is from episode two on, or from episode one on. So this one says, And I'll just list them out here. Faith loses its beauty when it becomes a list of black and white rules. I love that. That's so good. Mm -hmm. Faith loses its beauty when it becomes a list list of black and white rules. By the way, I I I think all of these quotes together kind of give a great picture of the overall conversations this season, right? Yeah. Nowhere in the Bible does Jesus say us versus them. Jesus only says us. It's all us. We're all in this together. I love that too. There's no enemy. We're not an enemy of each other, right? Yeah. This is good. This is on the, cry night, the episode about cry night at youth camps. When it comes to sermons and worship, there is a big difference between expecting emotion and forcing emotion. That's a great one. That's, that's for anyone who's listened or been to a youth camp and cry night. You know what that is about. So many people have commented on that. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, the next one, this is episode four. Nobody is going to want to know Jesus if the first thing they feel when they walk into a church is judged. Really good. So true. In a system where everything inside is right and everything outside is wrong, the system becomes your God. That's very true. Say that again. In a system where everything inside is right and everything outside is wrong, those are in quotes, the system becomes your God. Wow, that's powerful and true. Episode five. When God tells us not to fear, he's not saying that we're not allowed to be afraid. He wants us to know that we don't have to be. I love that. Not just saying, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, because we all feel fear, but we don't have to be. I love that because so many times people have this, I don't know how it gets ingrained in in people of faith, but it's that like if you're a really quote unquote good Christian, you're never going to feel doubt or fear or anxiety or no. We're all yeah. human and we feel those things. So I love that quote. When we're afraid, people tell you, just trust, you're not trusting God enough, bro. Just trust God. It's like, well, yes, but it's true. I don't have to be afraid because I can trust God. But being afraid is not a sign that we're failing or anything. Uh, episode six, the bigger and more powerful we realize God is, the less scary our questions become. I love that. That's so good. Yes. You know, that's such a thing is, is questioning and doubts is, no, we're totally allowed to do that. But as we realize how big and powerful God actually is, then we realize, oh, our questions do not offend him or it's no contestation against God's power, right? Yeah. From episode seven, if churches do not trust their young members, those members will learn not to trust themselves as well. And I put young members there because that was the quote, but it can be any member, all members, right? If members are treated like they aren't trustworthy, then they won't trust themselves and they'll become completely dependent. We see that all the time on the church and its leaders and its ideologies. Well, and you saw that a lot with your peers who grew up in the church as a result of a lot of the control mechanisms in the youth ministry that you were in. And then they, a lot of your friends have shared about that. When they went off to college, then mm-hmm. they didn't trust themselves, didn't trust their decisions, didn't trust that they were hearing from the Spirit, didn't trust because oh, yeah. that, that controlling teen leader was not lording over them, telling them what to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here's a good one from episode eight, seven, eight. When it comes to the decisions you make, a church and its leaders do not have the final say. You do. That one is great. That one got a bit of a, um, people loved it online, but they also, it also adds people, people going, well, you know, leaders, advice is great. Advice is great. I had to go, yeah, absolutely. But it's worded, you know, they don't have the final say. Advice yeah. is great. People can tell you, that's, that's invaluable. But they're, whatever someone else tells you to do, is not the end all be all. You make the decision whether you should follow it or not, or whether it's healthy advice for you or what you need to be do, doing, right? Here's episode nine. While a healthy spiritual environment can be difficult, I highlighted the word difficult, an abusive one is destructive. I highlighted destructive. That was from Sandy Derby. Very, very true. Very good. When we left our old church and um, some of the things that we shared and I think we've talked about this before, maybe even on the podcast, but um, I remember when I shared with a leader who really wanted to try to understand better why we were leaving that church. And it was like, no, I'm not expecting to find a perfect church because their whole thing is, well, there's no perfect church out there. There's no perfect church out there. Right. There's not. Humans are humans. And if I led a church, it would probably be a mess. Uh-huh. But uh, but for me, I was trying to explain to her, um, I'm not looking for a perfect church. But if a church has abuses, any type, spiritual, emotional, sexual, 
physical, psychological, any type of abuses, and those abuses are allowed to continue. And when people speak up about them, especially the young people that it was happening to, Mm -hmm. and nobody does anything about it, it's brushed under the rug, and basically the uh, victims are minimized and silenced, that's very different than something that's challenging or you know, hard to deal with or difficult, like you say, that's right. destructive. That's something where, oh, that I cannot in good conscience stay at this church. That's not okay. Right. Here's one from episode 11 or 10. The way we believe God views us can have a vital influence on the shame we take on or the shame we are freed from. Yeah. Shame true. is all about how we view ourselves based on how we believe others view us or God views us, especially in spiritual environments. The biggest influence on the shame we take on or the shame we're able to let go of is the way we know God sees us. So true. And that, I think you've also been growing in this same thing, but here, and I'm glad you're here. You are, you barely just turned 25 a couple weeks ago and here I am my age and I'm just getting a better grasp on that. I'm so glad you're grasping that at the age that you're at, because for me, that's happening recently where I'm really grasping the you always hear oh god loves us unconditionally and oh he there's no judgment on us and he's accepting of us no matter what and he you hear those things and i knew it logically in my brain but i am really experiencing in the last two years especially and more and more no this is a deep deep level of no shame even when we mess up as do our worst mess ups He is still so loving and gentle and peaceful and kind and never waving a finger in our faces. He's never doing that. Yeah. Here's another one. Religion builds barriers, but Jesus tears them down. It's very simple. That's really good. That's so good. Say that again. Religion builds barriers, but Jesus tears them down. That is so true. Um. When a church becomes too focused on control, it leaves no room for God to work. That was a thing that came up recently in episode two. Uh, when it all becomes how much we can, we can work out for ourselves, then we almost eliminate the need for God to do stuff. And he's not able to do it because we don't leave him the room. Very he, won't, so. he won't force it upon us if we don't want it. Or we don't you know, leave space for it. And, and when people are truly leaning on the Holy Spirit and living in a space of freedom in Christ. You know, we've talked about this before you and I, but there's just no need for control. You wind up not even needing control, no need to white knuckle things uh, because the space is just filled with a a confidence that comes with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Here's episode 12. Sometimes we can get so attached to the methods of our church that the methods end up becoming our gospel. It's really good. That's, yeah, that's very common in, in toxic churches and abusive churches for sure. If your heart, this is from your episode. If your heart is telling you it's time to go, it's time to go. If God is telling you, if your Holy Spirit is telling you it's time to go, it's time to go. Yep. That's everyone's, I mean, so many people's story is they didn't listen. How long it took them to actually decide, okay, and, it, it, you, don't have to, you don't have to determine whether it's time to leave something based on your external variables, right? That'll help you. Right. But if I, the, the ideal place to be is, is if nothing externally was making you feel like it's time to go, yet 
you felt that you were being told to, you would still be able to say, okay, let's go. Yeah. Which is, that's insanely hard, but that's the goal. It is. Here's episode 15. You can't begin to heal until you acknowledge what you feel. I love that. That was from the guest. Uh, Carl said that. Can't that's begin to quote. heal until you acknowledge what you feel. It starts from looking inward and really getting, feeling or seeing and figuring out where you stand emotionally, what you feel about everything and coming to terms with that and then working through that. Yeah. And that is a common thing in um, controlling churches, abusive churches, etc. Um, where when uh, members of a church do start realizing what they feel and start speaking up about it or sharing their stories to try to walk through it and figure it out and, and, and land with clarity. Um, the leaders will often in those kinds of churches label that person as, oh, they're just bitter. They're just a complainer. They're just ungrateful. No, they're just walking through the pain and allowing themselves to acknowledge and feel what it is that happened. Yeah. And so that they can get to the next space, like what you're talking about in that quote. Yeah. Uh, here's episode 16. Experiencing doubt doesn't mean you failed, which that's a huge thing. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Doubt is the intentional or being honest with yourself that you are intentionally seeking more satisfying or not maybe not satisfying, satisfying, but more fulfilling answers. Even if it may not mean an exact specific answer on something, it's a more, a more soul satisfying place where you can justify things of what you believe and figuring stuff out for what you, like what you really believe about things. So, you know, yes. Uh, episode 17, having autonomy is not prideful. Good one. The healthiest a church can be is when every member is completely independent and has their complete autonomy and they all are unified under the same truth and cause. Yeah. That's what you need. Not a bunch of people who are the exact same and who defer that autonomy to people ahead of them or higher than them. Yeah. And where it doesn't feel like a threat. Right. And right. welcoming that autonomy. When, when you are confident in your faith and your freedom in Christ, um, it's not a threat when someone has a different viewpoint than you or a different opinion about things or looks at a certain scripture a little bit differently than you do. Um, it should be a welcome conversation, even sometimes a welcome debate, uh, a healthy debate of getting to the, the, the core of something, or, but it should not be a threat. Yeah. Episode 18, God is not elusive. That's pretty straightforward. I even said that on the post. God is not elusive. We don't have to vie for his attention or try to seek him out or find him. He's always right there. Right there. He remains. He always remains. Yeah. Episode 19. Knowing and surrendering to the Holy Spirit transforms religion into relationship. It's no longer an outline or a list of things. It's just a, a natural relationship with a being. Yeah. Episode 20. The antidote for grief is not gratitude. Many That's churches fall into that tr of trying to ease someone's or solve someone's grief by saying, oh, just be grateful for the time you had. Be grateful for that. Don't you remember how good that was? And that's great. Gratitude is a great thing. And it can definitely help perspective wise, but it's not going to heal your grief. It may even be that gratitude of you care so much about the things you had that 
adds to that grief that's gone. You know what I mean? True. Here's episode 21. When we attempt, this one's similar to one earlier, but when we attempt to seize control over every aspect of our lives, we leave no room for the spontaneity of God. Yes. That's kind of a similar idea. but It is. That's, again, just going back to, you know, listening and trusting the Spirit. Being willing to just be still and listen and go the direction that you feel like the Spirit is leading you, even if it's the opposite of what people are saying or a church leader is saying or whatever it might be. Yeah. And then this week's, the last week's episode, the most recent one, is unity is a fruit, not a root. We are unified, not because we preach and preach unity to stay unified despite all the whatever. It's no. Give us true representation of God, healing representation, freedom-giving, grace-based, love-based. Give us God in his fullness and who he really is, and we will naturally be unified through our understanding of that and through that. Yeah, and even when you're with a spiritual community of people who are experiencing freedom in Christ and talking about that and sharing those stories and sharing what God is doing, that just brings unity. Unity right. doesn't have to be a demanded thing. Um, I do think that is used and abused in um, controlling churches. It can be used in a very manipulative way to try to control a body of people in a church to um, sometimes not even do the right thing when they see things going on that are abusive in a church. It's been happening all over the United States, for sure, um, no. where people don't do the thing that they that they should uh, in speaking up, for example, to protect young people, let's say, at the persuasion of leaders stating that we want to stay unified. We want to stay unified as a church, and they want to protect the church or no. protect the church's reputation. And no, true healthy unity is just like what you said. It's the fruit. So yeah, to answer your question, that was those were the crumpled papers, my favorite crumpled papers that I had come to realize or really appreciated talking through this season. There were a lot of them. There wasn't just one. Yeah. I'm glad that you mentioned those because I think those are really strong statements. And a lot of those really stayed with me. And oftentimes I'd be like, oh, I want to write that down and put it on the mirror by the bathroom, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right. I have another question for you. What is one final note you would like to leave with people at the end of this season? One final note. 22 episodes, no, 24 episodes, but 22 numbered episodes. No, 23 now because this one. The final note. Well, the final thing I would want to say is something that, that, you know, has been brought up before and it's, I often get asked and I, I never fully say, I don't think, maybe I do in the very first episode, but the, the reason why I don't name specifics, right? I don't name my church. I don't name any people's names. I don't, I, I stay away from all of that. And, and people have often asked me or messaged me and said, Hey, well, why? Why don't you? Why don't you name people in the book or in the podcast? And I tell them the same thing. Two things. One, it's not because I'm in any way like afraid of specifying the church or the people or whatever. It's not that. It's not that I'm like trying to protect them or anything when it comes to some really serious issues. It's not that. It's really the 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 reason I did this in the book. I remember the day I was starting this book or at a certain point and I was debating whether which way to go do I specify stuff and 
write it through that lens and the podcast that way too? Or do I keep it anonymous or mostly anonymous as anonymous as I can. And the reason why I decided not to specify these things was because my story is so many people's story and the people who know the church know the church. That's how it is. That's, and it doesn't take much effort to find out if you don't know, but that's not the point. The point isn't to keep them anonymous for anonymity's sake. It's that I wanted this to be as resonant as possible and as applicable personally to every listener because the themes and the conversation and the ideas we talk about are universal through any church, whether you're healthy or not. And I didn't want to single anybody out and, and, and exclude anybody from that conversation. So the final note I would want to leave everybody with is that these experiences are shared through all of us. And whether you're from my church organization, which many of you are, or you're not, and you are part of a different organization or part of no church or whatever background or place you currently find yourself in, the, the whole reason I did this podcast was to help people know two things. And that was that they're not crazy and they're not alone. And the amount of people I've heard from who have maybe not even heard me verbalize that, but have shared that with me, they felt that they're not crazy and they're not alone is very encouraging. That's the whole reason I did it. So if I could leave you with one thing, it's that, that reinforcing that idea is these are all our experiences and you're not crazy and you're not alone. And that's it. Well, I've even shown you some of the texts that have come to me from people. And these are adults who have grown kids or teenage kids who had very similar types of experiences in church that you share about in your book and on the podcast. And these parents are, that is exactly what they're saying. Oh my gosh. I thought I was the only one. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I thought it was just me. Oh my gosh. My church leader told me I was just ungrateful and critical. Oh my no. gosh. And and so many of them say, I thought I was the only one. Yeah. And you're really creating a space for people to realize they're not alone and that there is hope in the healing process. Yeah. All right. That's all the questions we have. Anything you want to add? Is that it? That's it for me. Now, the episode isn't over yet because we have a time where this past couple of weeks I have been getting submissions for any viewer or listener who wanted to submit an answer to the question I asked, which was, what is a crumple paper of your own that through listening to the conversations this season, you've been able to discern or work through or process or become aware of? So, so what you're going to hear now is a compilation of every person who submitted an answer to that question. And I guess I just want to say thank you to everyone who's listened to this season. Thank you to everyone who's engaged with a con- in a conversation with me or a comment or a like or a sharing with a friend or anything. I also would love to give a huge shout out and thank you to every guest I had this season. I'm going to go through and name all of them right now. Thank you to Isabel, Megan, and Janae from the Space Makers podcast. Thank you to Christians Who Curse Sometimes. Thank you to Jonathan Carone. Thank you to Nicole Huynh. Thank you to Dulce Johnson. Thank you to Blake Guichet. Thank you to Lisey Axelson. Thank you to Sandy Derby. Thank you to Lucy Koblenz. And thank you to Sophie Luis. Thank you to Jeff Morell. Thank you to John Augustine. Thank you to Robin Knoll. Thank you to Carl and Laura Forehand. Thank you to Kat Wordsworth. Thank you to Jen Moeller. Thank you to Jonathan Martin. Thank you to Robert Knoll. Thank you to Marilyn Crete. Thank you to Leanne Mitchell. 
and thank you to Colton Roan. You guys, I'm so happy with the guests that I got this season. I feel like each guest, I already said this once, but each guest so perfectly fit the themes and ideas I wanted to talk about. And I couldn't have gotten better guests, better lineup for this season. So thank you to each and every one of you so much. Season two is still TBD on the date and the release time. It won't be too far away, but it'll also be enough time where I can get a little bit of a break, realign myself, and get a strong idea of the structure and the conversations I want to have next season. I'm going to get to airtight, and then we're going to start releasing them. So if you want to stay tuned for that and stay up to date, follow Crumpled Papers Podcast on Facebook or Instagram. And yeah, that's it. Without further ado, please sit back, relax, and listen to some of your guys' responses to what crumpled papers you most learned and were able to unlearn or relearn or readjust your thinking of from the conversations this season. I will see you all again in season two, but until then, peace out. My crumpled paper is that it's okay to not have all the answers when it comes to faith. Being a Christian is not a pass-fail exam. Growing up, it often felt like there was a right way to do things and a wrong way. I've become a lot more comfortable with ambiguity and mystery. It allows me to be kinder to myself and less judgmental of other people. One thing that I never put much thought into before listening to the Crumpled Papers podcast, but it makes a lot of sense to me, is this thing of of asking counsel, asking advice. And it comes out especially in your story of dating. There's, There's a good part of being under authority and in submission. But there's also a part where when we are under the church, to a certain extent, we cannot take responsibility for ourselves. Where we ask advice, we ask counsel, and we let the decision up to other people. We have to in order to be under authority. And there's an unhealthy part of that where we cannot take responsibility for ourselves. I think the main crumpled paper has been about the Great Commission not being the Great Commandment. And I think we find in our movement, that's what we have been gearing towards. That's what we sort of channel our energy towards, um, the Great Commission. And forgetting, well, not forgetting, but maybe putting loving God, loving others as maybe like a side thing over the Great Commission. And I think from that very notion, a lot of issues come from that. For me, I found poor relationships your latest episode about two episodes ago talked about making friends for a transactional reason rather than a relational reason so you're looking to just make disciples um, as opposed to being actual friends you talked about the holy spirit before the idea that the holy spirit um allows you to you know be free to trust um in the holy spirit to make the moves um but when your great commission is your priority you want to take over the control you want to put a system in place and there's a system that we follow to make disciples, to um, to reach out and all these things that we hold on to steadfastly and the Holy Spirit doesn't really get a say in. I think about our teaching that we then have, our sermons especially, I've experienced many, many sermons where it always astonishes me how they can take any topic and it still will always end up towards evangelization. <laughs> there will always be something that, talks about reaching out or making a disciple um, and it's not 
about the love of God and just simply talking about the love of Jesus or anything, um, anything else. It needs to always have that bent towards reaching out. Um, so teaching becomes a bit more stale in that sense. And I think ultimately, um, immaturity is what we see and what I've seen many times in our movement. Um, disciples are not mature enough um, because they have been just geared towards the Great Commission. And therefore, making decisions, being able to think for yourself, all of these other things I think that you've spoken about a lot in your podcast, they don't come to fruition, which is a real shame. So for me, the, the, the main crumpled paper is the Great Commission is not the greatest commandment. My crumpled paper is believing you have to be in a certain church in order to go to heaven. I think episode 22 was the best example of that. He disagreed with one thing from the church and stepped down, and then he got disfellowshipped, which makes no sense. You can follow God and be a Christian without a certain church. I think the biggest crumpled paper that I came to terms with to process because of this season on the Crumpled Papers podcast would have to be that, honestly, I had lost hope for people seeing the truth because I had been trying to talk to them about it for years. But seeing the effect that this podcast had on people and bringing the truth to their eyes and seeing a lot of people come forward and talk to me about it was honestly, it brought me a lot of hope of people leaving and learning more about who God actually is and that there is hope because of the fact that, like, yes, we've had these conversations with the Crete letter and all of that, but this podcast made a huge impact on people seeing it from different perspectives and the fact that that made an influence really gave me hope. So the fact that there was no hope was the crumpled paper that I had given up on. Hey, Austin. I thought I would uh, chime in and share my crumply, crumpled paper in my head. One that I have that I've wrestled with for a while is the idea, well, I, when I first came around the church, I was very convicted that this, that this was it, this is where God led me, this is where I needed to be, and, you know, I didn't think there was much outside of this. I mean, I knew there was. I, I never really bought into the whole one church thing, but I thought this is where God intended me for me to be, potentially for the rest of my life. And now I'm in a space where I feel like, well, maybe that's not the case, and I've been kind of dipping my feet in some different uh, ministries and trying to figure out where I want to be. But it's tough. I, I've, um, I've developed a lot of great friendships, and, and um, you know, I really believe that a lot of the stuff that I've been taught was was truth, and, 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 you know, I come to find out that there are a lot of problematic things uh, within our ministry that you were part of and I'm still technically a part of, but um, that's been the most difficult thing for me, um, and something I've been wrestling with is, is acclimating and making a transition at this point in my life, and, and, and going where the Spirit is leading me, and because it's not, you know, very apparent in my life right now where God wants me, but I feel like I'm sort of in this limbo place. So that's my couple paper, and thanks for doing such a great job with your podcast and book and everything and helping people out. One thing that came out in the Crumpled Papers podcast was the thing of friends, and there's a certain sense where they are ready-made for us within the church. These are the friends that we have. They're handed to us. And then there's also the ones that we are reaching. We are reaching out to, trying to win, or we're discipling. And 
they're in a sense we're using them. But then when we step out of the church, we have to make connections and they're not ready made for us, neither do they have a purpose other than connection. And that is a, a concept to grasp that isn't necessarily obvious at first glance, but it's a very real thing for many of us, the, the need to actually create connection. My most important crumpled papers from past years are these three. One, that unity in thought is the same as or more important than the truth. Number two, that we should focus on our sin or everywhere we miss the mark instead of focusing on the bullseye of the target, Jesus' loving example. And three, that I can't trust my instincts. Impact of any of your videos was the one where your dad was speaking about the Holy Spirit and the fact that we will not be closer to Jesus when we die than we than we are right now because He is already inside us. You know, I grew up with the same Sunday school songs as everyone else. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You always hear that Jesus is within you, but I guess I never really thought of it that way. That in eternity will be with Jesus, but we already are with Jesus. So that's my crumpled paper. The biggest crumpled paper I want to throw away right now is this idea of you have to be a part of a church fellowship. And I don't see in scripture where that is necessarily true. Now, I do believe in community. You need community. But I believe that community needs to include the alien, the orphan, the widow, the outcast, those that we don't normally think of that much. You know, Jesus said, you know, first command is love your, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And I don't know that I ever really knew how to love myself because I was so entrenched in this idea that I was inherently bad and not good. And I didn't trust my own instincts and trust my own agency and who I was. So the crumpled paper that I'm getting rid of right now is, is organized religion as a whole. And um, I'm seeking to replace that with figuring out my relationship with God as a individual and not necessarily a part of a fellowship type thing. I don't know what relationship with God looks like without a church fellowship. And, you know, maybe that's not possible. I don't know. It's still something I'm trying to figure out. It's not thrown out yet. And then the second crumbled paper is I am no longer putting a church organization above my family. We did that for 30 years and it doesn't work when you put church above your family. And I know we preached a lot in our group of fellowships about putting, um, you know, it was God, spouse, children, then church. But that's not in reality what we did. What we did was God, church, and then everything else came after that. And if it didn't, then you were rebuked, discipled, or considered weak, or not on board, or whatever. So we just made that decision, and we've apologized to our kids for not putting them first in a lot of ways. And um, we really want to not do that to other, other people as well. So we're putting relationships with people 
above any type of organization. The consistent message I have heard from those interviewed is that legalism and performance-based Christianity really damages our soul, and it requires some time to recover. The paper I've crumbled up and tossed into the garbage contains beliefs I no longer hold on to about how we interpret the Bible. My former church taught me to view the Bible as a blueprint with patterns and formulas to follow and obey, and this resulted in me having black and white thinking and judging other Christian denominations. After leaving my church just one year ago, I had to confront my beliefs about baptism and what the Bible says about salvation. What I learned is that man has no right to be the mediator between a person and God. People can go straight to God to receive forgiveness and grace. They don't need to be vetted out with a series of Bible studies. And it isn't a complicated process to become a Christian. Thanks, Austin, for giving space and time to all those you've interviewed thus far. And your podcast has truly helped me recover because I know I'm not alone in why I left my former church. Thanks for hanging with us on this episode of the Crumpled Papers podcast. The episode may be over, but the conversation's just getting started. If you have any questions or comments, or just want to say hi, send us an email at crumpledpaperspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And make sure to follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things Crumpled Papers. All links are in the description. This is Austin, and I'll see you next time on the Crumpled Papers podcast.